welcome, welcome to the Wiley Reads podcast. We are on season one, episode 20. We are in chapter 18 of Tom Sawyer, and Wiley is going to start on the sentence that begins, What a hero Tom was become. And take it away, Wiley. What a hero Tom was become now. He did not go skipping and prancing, but moved with a dignified swagger as became a pirate who felt that the public eye was on him, and indeed it was. He tried not to seem to see the looks or hears hear the remarks as he passed along. But they were food and drink to him. Smaller boys smaller boys than himself flocked at his heels and proud as proud to be seen with him and tolerated by him as if he had been the drummer at the head of a procession or the elephant leading a menagerie to town. Menagerie. It's a French word. It's fancy. Hmm. To town. Both of it... Boys of his own size pretended pretended not to know he had been away at all, but they were consuming the envy. Nevertheless, they would have given anything to have that swarthy, sun-tanned skin of his and his glittering notoriety. And Tom would not have parted with, with either for a circus. At school, the children made so much of him and Joe and delivered such equivalent admiration. Eloquent. Eloquent admiration from their eyes that the two heroes were were not long in becoming insufferably stuck up. They began to tell their adventures to hungry listeners, but they but they only began. It was not a thing likely to have an end with imaginations like theirs to furnish material. And finally, when they got out their pipes and went serenely puffing around, the very summit of glory was reached. Tom Tom decided that he could be independent of Becky Thatcher now. Glory was sufficient. He would live for glory. Now that he was was distinguished, maybe she would be wanting to make up. Well, let her. She should see that he could be as indifferent as some other people. Presently, she arrived. Tom pretended not to see her. He moved away and joined a group of boys and girls and began to talk. 
Soon he observed that she was tripping gaily back and forth with, with flushed face and dancing eyes, pretending to be busy chasing schoolmates and screaming with laughter when she made a capture. But he noticed that she always made her captures in his vicinity. And that seemed to cast a conscious eye in his direction at such times too. It gratified all the victorious vanity that was in him. And so instead of winning him, it only set him up. The more the more and made him the more diligent to the more and made him it only set him up the more and made him the more diligent to avoid betraying that he knew she was about presently she gave over skylarking and moved iris Irresolutely. Irresolutely, correct. About sighing once or twice and glancing furtively and wistfully around Tom. Then she observed. Then she observed that. Now Tom was talking more particularly particularly to Amy Lawrence than to anyone else. She felt a sharp pang and grew disturbed and uneasy at once. She tried to go away, but her feet were treacherous. She car- and carried her to the group instead. She said to a girl almost at Tom's elbow with sham vivacity, mm-hmm. Why, Mary Austin, you bad girl, why didn't you come to Sunday school? I did come, didn't you see me? Why, no, did you? Where did you sit? In Miss Peters' class, where I always go, I saw you. Did you? Why, it's funny I didn't see you. I wanted to tell you about the picnic. Oh, that's jolly. Who's going to give it? My ma's going to let me have one. Oh, goody, I hope she'll let me come. Well, she will. The picnic's for me. She'll let anybody come that I want, and I want you. That's ever so nice. When is it going to be? By and by, maybe about vacation. Oh, won't it be fun? You you going to have all the girls and boys? Yes, everyone that's friends to me or wants to be. And she glanced ever so furtively at Tom. But he talked right along to Amy Lawrence about the terrible storm on the island and how the lightning tore (sighs) the great sycamore tree all to flinders. Flinders. I mean splinters. 
Alta Flinders while he was standing within three feet of it. Oh, may I come, said Grace Miller. Yes, and me, said Sally Rogers. Yes, and me too, said Susie Harper and Joe. Yes. And so on, with clapping of joyful hands, till all the group had begged for invitations but Tom and Amy, then Tom turned coolly away, still talking, and took Amy with him. Becky's lips trembled, and the tears came to her eyes. She hid these signs with a forced gaiety and went on shattering. But the life had gone out of the picnic now, and out of everything else. She got away as soon as she could and hid herself in he- and had what her sex call a good cry. Then she sat moody with wounded pride till the bell rang. She, ro- she roused up now with a vindictive cast in her eye and gave her plated rails a shake. Tails plated tails a shake and said she knew what she'd do and she kept oh at recess tom continued his flirtation with amy and jubilant self-satisfaction and he kept drifting about how to find becky and lacerate her with the performance with the performance at last he spied uh, he spied her but there was a sudden falling of his mercury she was sitting cozily on a little bench beside the schoolhouse looking at a picture book with alfred temple and so she absorbed were and so absorbed were they and their heads so close together over the book that they did not even seem to be conscious of anything in the world besides. Jealously ran, jealously ran red. Jealousy. Huh? Jealousy. Jealousy ran red hot through Tom's veins. He began to hate himself for throwing away the chance Becky had offered for Recon- reconciliation. Reconciliation, that's right. He called himself a fool and all the hard names he could think of. He wanted to cry with vexation. Amy chatted happily along as they walked, for her heart was singing. But Tom's tongue had lost its function. He did not hear what Amy was saying, and whenever she paused expectantly, he could only stammer an awkward assent, which was which was as often misplaced as otherwise. He kept climbing to the rear of the schoolhouse again and again to sear his eyeballs with the hateful spectacle there. He could not help it and it maddened him to see. As he thought he saw that Becky Thatcher never once suspected that he 
even he was even in the land of the living, but she did see, nevertheless, and she knew she was winning her fight too, and was glad to see him suffer as she had suffered. Amy's happy prattle became intolerable. Tom hinted at things he had no attend on. Uh, he had no attempt to things that must be done and time was fleeting but in vain that the girl chirped on on tom thought oh hang her ain't i ever going to get rid of her at last he must be attending to those and he said artlessly that she would be around when school let out and he hastened away, hating her for it. Any other boy, Tom thought, grating his teeth. Any boy in the whole town but that St. Louis smarty that thinks he dresses so fine and his aristocracy. Oh, oh, all right. I licked you the first day you ever saw this town, mister. I'll, and I'll lick you again. How they just say lick? It means hit, whoop. Hit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you just wait till I catch you out. I'll just take and he went through and he went through the motions of thrashing an imaginary boy pummeling the air and kicking and gouging gouging hmm and gouging oh you do do you you holler enough do you now then let that learn you and so the imaginary flogging was finished flogging flogging was finished to his satisfaction. Tom fled home at noon. His conscience could not endure any more of Amy's grateful happiness, and his jealousy could not bear no more of the other distress. Becky resumed her picture inspections with Alfred, but as the minutes dragged along and no, and no Tom be- came to suffer, her triumph began to cloud, and she lost interest. Um, I think we're going to take a break now. All right, we're going to take a water break. We'll be right back. And we are back. Jealousy could not bear no more of the other distress. Becky resumed her picture inspections with Alfred, just as the minutes dragged along and no Tom came to suffer. Her triumph began to cloud and she lost interest. 
gravity and, and absent-mindedness followed. Big num- big big word. Mm-hmm. And then the melancholy. Two or three times she pricked up her ear at a footstep, but it was a false hope. No time came. At last she grew entirely miserable and wished she hadn't carried it so far. When poor Alfred, seeing that he was losing her, he did not know how, kept exclaiming. You you read every character except Tom. That's that's how it goes. Oh, here's a jolly one. Look at this. She lost patience and she lost patience at last and said I I can't read the book for you, Wiley. Just read. Oh, don't bother me. I don't care for them, and burst into tears, and got up and walked away. Alfred dropped alongside and was going to try to comfort her, but she said, go away and leave me alone, can't you? I hate you. That's harsh. Mm-hmm. So the boy halted, wondering what he could have done, for she had said she would look at pictures all through the nooning and she walked on crying angry crying wait crying wait walked on crying then alfred went musing into the deserted schoolhouse he was humiliated and angry he easily guessed his way to the truth the girl had simply made a convenience of him to vent her spite upon tom sawyer he was far from hating tom the less when he thought when this thought occurred to him he wished there was he wished there was some way He wished there was some way to get that boy into trouble without much to risk himself. Tom's spelling book fell under his eye. Here here was his opportunity. He gratefully gratefully opened to the lesson for the afternoon and poured ink upon the page. Becky, glancing in at a window behind him at the moment, saw the act and moved on without discovering herself. She started homeward now, intending to find Tom and tell him. Tom would be thankful and their troubles would be healed. Before she was halfway home, however, she changed her mind. The thought of Tom's treatment of her when when she was talking about her picnic came scorching back and filled her with shame. She resolved to let him go and whipped on the damaged spelling book's account and to hate him forever into the into the bargain. And we are on to chapter 19. How about I read to page 98? How about you read 10 more minutes? Because that's what you have to read. 
que coman. Chapter It's Roman numerals. Yeah, but the thing is it's not XXI, it's XIX. Mm-hmm. That means ten and one less than another ten, which is what? Nine. Okay, ten and nine makes nineteen. Chapter nineteen. Tom arrived at home in a dreary mood, and the first thing his aunt said to him showed him that he had brought his sorrows to an unpromising market. Tom, I've a notion to skin you alive. Auntie, what have I done? Well, you've done enough. Here I go over to Sereny Cer- Harper. Like an old softy, expecting I'm going to make her believe all that rubbish about that dream. When lo and behold, you, you she'd found out from Joe that you was over here and heard all the talk we had that night, Tom. Night. Tom, I don't know what is to become of a boy that will act like that. It makes me feel so bad to think you could let me go to Sereny Harper and make such a fool of myself and never say a word. This was a new aspect of the thing. His smartness of the morning had seemed to had seemed to Tom a good joke before, and very ingenious. It merely looked mean and shabby now. He hung his head and could not think of anything to say for a moment. Then he said, Auntie, I wish I hadn't done it, but I didn't think. Oh, child, you never think. You never think of anything but your own self selfishness. You could think to come all the way here from Jackson's Island in the night to laugh at our troubles. And you could think to fool me with a lie about a dream, but you couldn't ever think to pity us and save us from sorrow. Auntie, I don't know, I don't know now it was mean. No, there's no don't in that sentence. I know now it was mean, but I didn't mean to be mean. I didn't, honest and besides. I didn't come over here to laugh at you that night. What did you come for then? I was to tell you not to be uneasy about us because we hadn't gotten drowned because we hadn't got drowned. Tom, Tom, I would be the thankfulest soul in this world if I could believe you ever ha- has as good a thought as that, but you know you never did. And I know it, Tom. 
Indeed and indeed and indeed I did, Auntie. I wish I may never stir if I didn't. Oh Tom, don't lie, don't do it. It only makes things a hundred times worse. It ain't a lie, Auntie. It's the truth. I wanted to keep you from grieving. That was all that made me come. I'd give the whole world to believe that that it would come that that it would cover up the power of sins. Tom, I'd most be glad you'd run off and acted so bad, but it ain't reasonable, because why didn't you tell me, child? Why, you see, when you got to talking about the funeral, I just got all full of the spoil, of the spoiled. I just got all full of the idea of our coming and hiding in the church, and I couldn't somehow bear to spoil it. So I, so I just put the bark in my pocket and kept mum. What bark? The bark I had wrote on to tell you we'd gone pirating. I wish now you'd waked up when I kissed you. I do, honest. The hard lines on his aunt's face relaxed and a sudden tenderness dawned in her eyes. Did you kiss me, Tom? Why, yes, I did. Are you sure that you did, Tom? Why, yes, auntie, I did. Why, yes, auntie. Why, yes, I did, auntie. Certain sure. What did you kiss me for, Tom? Because I loved you so. And you laid there moaning, and I was so sorry. The words sounded like truth. The old lady could not hide a tremor in her voice when she said, Kiss me again, Tom, and be off with you to school now. Don't bother me anymore. And the moment was gone. She went and the moment he was gone, she ran to a closet and got out the ruin of a jacket which Tom had gone pirating in. Then she stopped with it in her hand and said to herself, No, I don't dare, poor boy. I reckon he's lied about it. But it's a blessed, blessed lie. There's such a comfort come from it. I hope the Lord, I know the Lord will forgive him. Because it was such good heartedness in him to tell it. But I don't want, I don't want to find out it's a lie. I won't look. She put the jacket away and stood by musing a minute. She twice she twice put out her hand 
to take the garment again, and twice she refrained. Once more she ventured, and this time she fortified herself with the thought, It's a good lie. It's a good lie. I won't let it grieve me. So she sought the jacket pocket. A moment later, she was reading Tom's piece of bark through flowing tears and saying, I could forgive the boy now if he'd committed a million sins. I think that's enough. We're at the end of chapter 19. Yes, this is literally chapter 20. This is chapter 20. We're not going to start chapter 20 with only a minute and a half left. Do you feel like we're... uh, Have you sufficiently read... Yeah. Wiley, of Wiley Reads? Yes, I need to play you a song. A really quick one. That's going to sound very funny on our background music. (laughs) Say goodnight, Wiley. Goodnight.